What is up? It's The Rant. My name is Jeff Rackleman. It is Thursday, July 23rd. And you know what? I'm actually excited for something that isn't football today because Major League Baseball starts tonight. And I am not a baseball guy, but you best believe I'm going to be watching some baseball this evening. Sports back. Looks like the NFL is, as of now, on track. We'll see. But I'm still very encouraged there on the NFL front. Uh, basketball next week, NHL coming up as well. So looks like we'll sort of maybe kind of get back to a little bit of sense of normalcy here with professional sports in the United States. That's a good thing. We need the distraction for sure. And if you want to get in on that distraction of MLB DFS, well, we have you covered at ftndaily.com. In the next 48 hours, so actually I'm recording this at about 9 a.m. on Thursday morning, we have a sale going on if you want to get in 25% off on MLB DFS, 25% off, that's pretty good. MLB is the promo code, pretty easy there, MLB, get you 25% off, this is a great time to be playing MLB DFS, Uh, I'm getting, I'm going to dabble a little bit, you know I'm a football guy, but Like me some DFS, so I'm going to dabble. So if you want to get in on that too, ftndaily.com. Use the promo code MLB and you get access to our MLB content. These guys are lights out. They know a lot more about baseball than yours truly. But the good news, I know more about football than those guys. And we're going to talk, obviously, all football the remainder of the podcast here. And uh, I think this is an interesting topic with rookies in camp. I think we really need to solidify our view of these rookies For 2020, I'll talk a little Dynasty, but really this is more of a 2020 conversation, and I want to give you, since it is 2020, the 20 rookies you need to know for fantasy football in 2020, and the goal here, pretty simple, I mean, I want to break these guys down so we have a firm understanding. A lot of these guys have already talked about at various points through the team preview series, but it doesn't hurt to have a little refresher, and it also is important to level set with every single one of these guys. What do we expect out of them? And in a lot of instances, I think, especially when you're talking about the running backs, some of the expectations may be a little too high. Some of the expectations, though, on some of the other players, possibly a little too low. So let's level set across the board. The top 20 rookies you need to know for 2020 fantasy football and uh, we will go in order from top to bottom, the the biggest names to the smallest names. I'm not going to bury the lead here. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is the biggest name. Anybody who's going in another direction in, in terms of this year's rookies is simply overthinking it. You know, uh, paralysis by overanalysis, as I like to say. You're overthinking it. It's really clear he's both the the top rookie in redraft and the top rookie in dynasty. I have had some people ask me whether or not they should consider Jonathan Taylor, for example, in a rookie draft, and I still think that is overthinking. I'll get to Taylor in a second. He's going to be the second player I talk about, but when we look at Edward Zelaire, what does he do well? Well, kind of everything, right? He's the one knock on him that he he doesn't have that Taylor has is the size, right? He's five foot eight, two oh five. But in today's NFL, I don't think you need to be six foot two twenty-five to be a very, very effective fantasy running back. I, I don't think that's necessary whatsoever. We've seen it time and time again. I mean, how think about it, and I'm not saying Edward Zelaire is going to be on par with McCaffrey, but remember when McCaffrey came in, that was the knock. Oh, he's not big enough. Well, 
he certainly was just fine last year. And really, the year before, too, he was phenomenal for fantasy purposes. So, remember... With these guys, it is a short shelf life in most instances for NFL running backs. It's unfortunate. You know, the expiration date hits very quickly for a lot of these guys. So for redraft, we don't really care about that. For dynasty, you just have to keep that in mind. If you're drafting a running back, you're drafting him for three or four years. Once they get close to the end of that rookie deal, in most instances, it makes more sense to unload them. But, you know, just as long as you have that expectation in place, uh, then and, and and that's ideally like you may not even be able to get to that point. Some of these guys don't pan out and there's no unloading whatsoever. It's just cutting them loose. But I don't think there's a scenario where Edwards Allaire doesn't hit here. Perfect skill set for this offense. Three down guy can run between the tackles. Certainly has the passing down chop. He he is a Brian Westbrook type in an Andy Reid offense. That's such a good fit. Now, level setting. I don't think it's going to be great in September and possibly not even in October. I do think we're going to see plenty of Damian Williams, but ultimately down the stretch, that's where Edwards Lair is going to assert himself and down the stretch is where we win fantasy championships. He's clearly the top guy. If anything else, you're, you're overthinking it. I get the appeal of Jonathan Taylor and let's talk about him right now. I get the appeal. Size, speed. He is a throwback running back. I think he could be better in the passing game than some people are willing to give him credit for. Showed a little bit there last year. Didn't do much early in his career. And it's the, uh, always the knock of the Wisconsin running back that they, they don't catch passes. Uh, just because you're not asked to do something at the college level doesn't mean you can't do it. Now, in some instances, yeah, you can't do it. <laughs> Ronald Jones. <laughs> but sometimes, you know... Like Leonard Fournette wasn't uh, heavily using the passing game. He showed last year he was cer- he's certainly more than capable there. Anyway, Jonathan Taylor isn't going to be using the passing game here. I do think that he opens up ahead of Marlon Mack, and and there's really no looking back. Unfortunately for Marlon Mack, behind that offensive line is really appealing. But for him to be, for him to be a guy who really delivers, we need almost no committee there which I think there is going to be a committee with Marlon Mack, even though he'll be on the right side of it. And we need him maybe a little bit more in the passing game for him to deliver on where he's currently being drafted. He's only being drafted a few spots behind Edwards Alaire in redraft right now. I think it's a it's pushing it a little bit. I think there are going to be people who are going to be really disappointed early in the season with Jonathan Taylor and frustrated, especially if they draft him as their second running back. For me, I would I would love him as my third. I'd love to be able to sit on him for a little bit because I think he will deliver down the stretch as the type of guy who can get you 20-plus carries, who can get you a hunch on the ground, who can get you a rushing touchdown or two. But I don't think that's going to happen early in the year. For dynasty purposes, I don't think he's going to be a true three-down back in Indy, and that's the big knock on him. And I, and I think at number three for me, and, and I'm kind of going in order of rankings, but be be aware that it's really fluid in the three to essentially three to eight range. All of these guys are so tightly bundled for me. So this is a, a big tier, if you will. I think Edwards, Hilaire, and Taylor are ahead of those guys for dynasty in terms of tiers. But Cam Akers is a guy who I've been targeting in the sixth round of redraft I think he can step right into that that offense and really contribute immediately on the ground. Now, we're hearing a lot that it's going to be a committee. I know it's going to be a committee. We've, we've known that all along. The question is whether or not he's clearly ahead of Malcolm Brown, and I think he en- ends up being ahead of him. He's a better player than Malcolm Brown. He's, he's a lot better than I think a lot of people realize. 
and uh, not hesitating to get him. Uh, although, like Taylor, you have Darrell Henderson there, and that you know that puts a damper on Acres in the passing game. Uh, DeAndre Swift, not not the sort of same damper. I think the damper might even be on the run game for DeAndre Swift because Carryon Johnson is in Detroit. But let's be clear, Carryon Johnson's been very injury prone over the over his short NFL career. So there could be a situation where Swift ends up being a three down back. He has three down chops. He's explosive. He excelled at Georgia, which is obviously not an easy thing to do given the, the running backs they've had. Uh, over the last few years, and there were there were folks who had him as the number one running back in this class, and, and I think it's really it's an interesting thing. Like for me, running back is a little different than quarterback. Like if you're the number one quarterback, then you're you're really just the number one quarterback, and we'll talk about Joe Exotic in a minute. But if you're the number one running back, well, I don't know if you necessarily are. Depends on what you're looking for, right? If you took Jonathan Taylor, and let's say that the Chiefs drafted Jonathan Taylor. I mean, yeah, it's really interesting, but is he the best fit in that offense? Probably not, right? DeAndre Swift would actually be a better fit in that offense than Jonathan Taylor. Um, you know, or you take a guy like J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins would probably be interesting in Kansas City, but there are places where J.K. Dobbins wouldn't be interesting. You know, it wouldn't be a very good fit. So, so just because uh, said analyst has him as the number one running back doesn't necessarily mean they're they're the number one running back for every single team. You know, I, I, Taylor, for example, really good fit in India. It's not great for us for fantasy purposes, uh, but really good fit. And, and a better fit in Indy than somebody like Edwards Hilaire. So just something to think about with that. Um, not a knock on Swift whatsoever that he wasn't the first running back taken. And I think it, that offense is really appealing. I, I like him for the short term in that six-round range as well. That's a great spot to draft a rookie running back this year. Uh, do have two more running backs in this this little tier. And this isn't really rankings per se. And, and two wide receivers in this tier. So let's knock out the other two running backs we need to know. Keyshawn Vaughn uh, steps into a really interesting spot. Obviously, Tampa, explosive offense. Pretty good quarterback, last I heard. Uh, but a lot of mouths to feed. But there's a great opportunity here because, as I mentioned, Ronald Jones really can't play in passing downs. Uh, what they have in-house, I'm not impressed by. At least you know, heading into the draft, Ari Agumbawale, I'm not really impressed by him. Um, they may not be either when they drafted Raymond Calais. Uh, could Raymond Calais, who is not a guy we necessarily need to know, but is he a guy who could stick around and be the number three? Possibly. Could Keyshawn Vaughn blow right by Ronald Jones? Certainly. I don't think it happens in September, though, so just make sure you have that level set uh, there as well because I, I like him in the seventh round. I know people are going to draft him in the seventh round and expect a lot of out of him once we get into the thick of things uh, You know, weekly. Uh, fantasy football our mindset changes right our our memories get very short once we get into the season and there's going to be some disappointing weeks I think for sure out of the gate for Keyshawn Vaughn J.K. Dobbins is the other one he's a Mark Ingram clone he is the Mark Ingram backup uh, at least initially or not even backup because he's going to take work off of his plate but really the appeal to Dobbins is as a handcuff, he's got a little bit of premium handcuff appeal. Like, hey, if Ingram goes down, whoa, watch out for J.K. Dobbins. He could easily be a top 20 guy, if not better in that offense. The only problem is that Lamar sucks up a lot of the carries. 
but still could easily, and he has chops in the passing down in passing game. He he's good across the board. The the thing about it I, I keep going back to with redraft is I'm not as high on him as somebody like Swift, who I see as being able to step on the field and possibly overtake the incumbent right away. I don't see Dobbins overtaking Ingram. He may take work off his plate, but not overtake him right away. I like him for long-term, though. That's a great landing spot for J.K. Dobbins long-term. Uh, let's talk about the two wideouts in this tier. Jerry Judy, uh, of course, super polished route runner. The only problem is he lands in a spot with a really entrenched number one in Cortland Sutton. So he's going to be... More of a Calvin Ridley number two type, you know, and and I would say, hey, Calvin Ridley was a, a wide receiver three in his rookie season, but he really didn't quite produce that way. It was just the touchdown, the extremely high touchdown rate early in the season. He was more of like a wide receiver four. I think that's a fair expectation for Jerry Judy, um, you know, especially, you know, Calvin Ridley, once he settled in down the stretch, that was basically what it was. Wide receiver four, wide receiver five. Last year, he moved up to more of a wide receiver three on a consistent basis. So we could see a similar trajectory for Judy, especially if Drew Locke pans out. So Judy, this year, wide receiver four or five most weeks, maybe has a little bit of upside, an occasional big game, but it's mostly Cortland Sutton. And then next year moves up possibly into the wide receiver three territory. I like him for dynasty more than I like him for redraft. I'll take some stabs on him if I can get him after 50 wideouts come off the board right around there. Same thing with C.D. Lamb. That's where I'm looking at him, but he there's more mouths to feed in Dallas. The thing is, there is a better situation. It's a, it's a more pass-friendly offense. They're going to run the football, but we saw last year, I mean, the offense, uh, Dak Prescott put up essentially almost 5,000 passing yards. He was 99 yards short of that. So that's good. The The challenge, though, obviously, is you have those two wideouts who, at least in, heading into the season, are going to be ahead of him in Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. So that's the one drawback with CD. But from a talent standpoint, he's really intriguing. Let's do another little trio of wideouts here up next in the 2020-20 rookies you need to know. Uh, Henry Ruggs. I, I think people don't understand Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs is not a downfield threat. He is not a downfield threat. That doesn't mean they're not going to take shots downfield. But I think this was a very calculated decision to draft Henry Ruggs because of what he does well and who you have at quarterback. Henry Ruggs excels getting the ball in his hand in space and making ish happen. The dude is fast. The dude is electric. The dude can make plays. Get the ball to him in the short and intermediate and just go, kid. That's what they're going to do. Any other take, I, I, I'm i not buying it. So for redraft, I actually like him more than CeeDee Lamb or Jerry Judy because the short term, there's not much ahead of him. I'm not buying the Hunter Renfro hype. Ty- Tyrell Williams, we know what he is right now. And I think Tyrell Williams finally will be cast right in this offense. He should be the number two or number three wide receiver target. That's about all he is. And he's good at that. But for fantasy purposes, yeah. I mean, he'll have an occasional big game, but that's about it. And that's DFS worthy, not season-long worthy. Uh, the the problem with Ruggs, of course, is you know he may not be the number one target. That's probably going to be Darren Waller. But with his ceiling, with the the potential to, to possibly see triple-digit targets in his rookie year... I like him the most out of those three for redraft. For Dynasty, he's still the clear three for me. Justin Jefferson is going to step in. There's a lot of targets to be had there with Stephon Diggs out of the mix. 
Jefferson is a big slot. He doesn't have a lot of upside, but you know that offense, he's going to fit well with what they like to do. Uh, with Kirk Cousins, they don't really have the field stretcher that they did in Diggs, and he, they're not going to get that out of Jefferson. He's got speed, but he's not really a field stretcher on the field. Uh, and, you know, so there's a little bit of a cap there. There's a little bit of a cap in a run-heavy offense, so something to think about with Jefferson. Jalen Rager has the speed, the downfield ability, and it looks like this is what Philly wants to prioritize because they got all speed in this year's draft, three speed guys with Rager being the first guy off the board for them. On day two, they also brought in uh, Marquise Goodwin. But stretch the field. You don't need any any more help in the short and intermediate. You basically have that cover with your two tight ends and and your running backs. But uh, Rager is really intriguing. Hey, I think Carson Wentz and him are going to end up having a really nice connection. And I like Rager a lot in that offense. Um, one other, I'll throw another one in here because he kind of moved up a little bit. Brandon Ayuk. Only because of the the injury to Debo Samuel. Ayuk is athletic as all get up. Got he's got speed. He's battled through a little bit of you know adversity a little bit in making his way up through the JUCO level. Gets to Arizona State, plays in that pro style offense there, and really impressed with uh, with what he was able to do. So efficient, big play upside. And another guy, get the ball in his hands. He's going to make things happen. And we know that happens in in the Kyle Shanahan offense. So I think he's really interesting there. Really, the big question is how long uh, does Debo, how long is Debo sidelined? You know, that's really the big question. Um, Another running back to mention on this list before I get over to Joe Exotic is Zach Moss. Not the best landing spot for Zach Moss because he is going to have to share the workload with Devin Singletary, and he'll be behind Devin Singletary, but he does have some handcuff potential there because if Singletary goes down, hey, man, it's all Zach Moss at that point. Comes from a football family, cousins with Santana and Sonoris Moss. Good pedigree is always a nice thing. And then on top of it, I mean, the guy can play all three downs. So he's a really intriguing name in in an offense that is pretty favorable to running backs in recent history. Joe Burrow is coming off one of the best college seasons ever. I mean, argue against me on that one. I I don't think you can. Amazing Heisman Trophy, 5,671 passing yards, 60 passing touchdowns, 60. Unbelievable. Steps into a what I think can potentially be a pretty exciting offense if Zach Taylor pans out to what I think he can be as a head coach. I'm not going to, I'm discounting last year. I'm not going to worry about last year. Uh, Joe, Joe Mixon helping you out of the backfield along with Giovanni Bernard, very quality Giovanni Bernard, by the way, one of the best pass blocking running backs in the NFL that helps a young quarterback. Gio, Gio can get after it in pass pro. Uh, you have A.J. Green if he can stay healthy. You have Tyler Boyd, one of the more underrated receivers in the league. You have some young tight ends who can possibly give you some juice there. And then you have T. Higgins. And I should talk about T. Higgins as well right now. Bigger-bodied receiver can make plays downfield. Uh, 15 catches of 20-plus yards last year. Average depth of target of 16.1 yards downfield. ADOT numbers from college to pro are going to – you're not going to say, okay, he's going to be targeted at at the same distance at the pro level. It's probably going to be a little bit shorter, but still it gives you an indication that this guy makes plays downfield. And that's good for Joe Burrow. 
you know, I would I would love to see Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase together forever, but uh, I don't. I, I guess that's not going to happen. Well, maybe it still will. Who knows? But T. Higgins still not a bad consolation prize for the long haul, and he's going to get on the field in his rookie year. The problem is if AJ's healthy, there's just not enough meat on the bone for redraft. But I do like him for the long term because I do see him ultimately replacing AJ in that offense. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr., uh, a one-year wonder. Uh, only 70 catches over his first three years at USC, but last year 101. Uh, really impressive, great hands, big-bodied receiver, plays the game a little like V-Jax, Vincent Jackson, and happens to get paired up with Phil Rivers here in the short term. Pittman could end up being the number two target out of the wideouts. I don't know if the number two target overall because Jack Doyle is going to see his share, but you could see it T.Y., then Pittman, then Paris Campbell in the pecking order, which I think is really interesting there. He could potentially surface on the redraft radar. A.J. Dillon, A.J. Dillon, I've talked about him so many times in Green Bay, a big dude, six foot, 247, uh, just all muscle, not the most efficient guy on a per carry basis, 5.2 yards per carry uh, over the course of his college career, but he scored 38 rushing touchdowns. He did have a lot of work at the college level, 845 carries over the last three years. Not the most, um, he doesn't have the most wiggle, but he can create after contact just based on his size. He kind of gives this team uh, uh, their version of Derrick Henry in some ways. Like LaFleur got his, his version. He's not as good as Derrick Henry, let's be clear about that. And I know there were a lot of people who were scratching their head at when they took A.J. Dillon, but that being said, in round two, that being said, he's his path is paved to be the guy after Aaron Jones is gone, which could be next year. Could be next year. So not a lot of A.J. Dillon in redraft, but we definitely need to know him for the long haul. Uh, let's do, before we get to the final two quarterbacks, let's do one more receiver I think we do need to know. For this year, Denzel Mims out of Baylor, big guy, big body guy, big body guy, fast, athletic, uh, ability to make plays downfield. His uh, ADOT was 14.8, scored 28 receiving touchdowns over the last three years at Baylor. Very impressive at the combine, and a, and a guy who I think you know people didn't quite know what they were going to get out of. But the beauty is with that athleticism, with the size, the speed. Things you just can't teach a receiver and steps into a situation with a team who is so needy for wideouts. And again, getting paired up with a young quarterback, you know, for the long haul, that's a good thing. And I buy into Sam Darnold for the long haul. So I like Denzel Mims. Could see him flash a little bit in redraft this year, but more of a dynasty option for me. But, you know, keep your eye on him nonetheless. All right, the two quarterbacks, Tua and Herbert. Start with Tua. Numbers were off the charts at Alabama. You love the production you see out of Tua Tungavailoa there. The injury is a little bit concerning, but Miami would not have selected him with their top with a top five pick if they were overly concerned here. Obviously, they have their long-term interest in mind, but all the medicals at the combine, that was one of the talks at the combine. The medicals checked out. You know, he was he was progressing really well. And I, I just keep going back to if you're if you're talking about a top five or top ten quarterback in the draft, that guy is going to get on the field. So anybody thinking that Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to hold this job for the whole year, I just don't see it happening. Unless Miami somehow he gets out, they go four and zero. You know, in September. All right, all right. 
yeah, he'll keep it. He'll keep it as long as it as they keep in the running there. And you know, if they were like in the playoff mix, okay, then maybe Tua doesn't get in. But I don't see that happening. And you know, if they get out of September at two and two, the the organization, a lot of people are going to be clamoring to get Tua in there and just see what they have with him. So I don't see it lasting much more than four weeks. And really, the same thing with Herbert. Now Herbert isn't quite to the level of Tua or of Burrow. I, I think Tua and Burrow are a lot closer than people realize, by the way. But Herbert is still pretty good. You know, and he was so prolific at, in his college career. He looks the part. He is an uber smart individual. You know, he's he's a guy who certainly can step right in and be a first-year starter. Obviously, that's not going to happen in week one with Terod Taylor, but it's another one. If they get out to a 4-0 start with Terod Taylor under center, yeah, they're going to keep riding it. But if they're 2-2, two and two, if they're 1-3, and three, we're going to see Herbert. It's going to happen pretty quickly. Look to the Giants last year. That's our prime example. So, And I don't mind Herbert. I think Herbert's actually going to be helpful for the the receivers for fantasy purposes when he gets under center. Same with Tua. Same with Tua. There you go. 20 rookies to know for 2020 fantasy football. There it is. Those are the guys who are highest on my list. There are a couple of other interesting names. Sure, the deeper folks, the dynasty folks, you know those guys already. But for redraft fantasy football, those are the names to know. All right, I appreciate everybody reviewing the show on iTunes. If you haven't already, please review and rate the show. It helps this show out. If you help me out, I'm going to help you out, baby. The easiest way to do so is if you have an iPhone, go to the podcast app, go to my podcast, The Rant, and scroll down. Click the stars. Super easy. Also, FTNFantasy.com for all of my fantasy football rankings and the Fantasy Football Game Plan Draft Guide that has my draft board in it. And remember, FTNDaily.com, if you play MLB, use that promo code MLB, get you 25% off, but only for the next 48 hours. It's a flash sale for the start of baseball. On Twitter and Instagram, you can follow me at Jeff Ratcliffe. Use the hashtag RatPack. That way I know you're a listener of the show. And I will catch you on the flip side for another edition of the pod. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out of here.